What's up, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of the unofficial OnePlus podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. This welcome to the tenth episode of the Untitled Gadget Podcast. I'm Akshay, and I'm joined by Harish and Dhruv. Uh, how's it going, guys? Going good. Oh, it's a it's a momentous day today. Akshay is hosting it for the first time, which is yeah. I just I am hosting just because of that OnePlus podcast joke. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I think but the goal before... for us with this one is to make sure that Dhruv doesn't doze off sometime in the in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't even slept, guys. Yeah. But before we get started, I would like to first apologize. Uh, our last episode was uh, late by a few days. and most of it was because my fault uh i was live streaming something on saturday and usually we record on saturdays so yeah i mean uh, during the virus yeah. yeah yeah so which is why it got delayed so i would like to apologize everyone for the late episode and uh, and now we can officially get started with the 10th episode so this week a lot happened guys yes a shit shit tons of stuff launched uh from yeah, the stuff Pina. like that you know that's the unofficial name of a podcast Yeah, yeah, so the OnePlus Eight Eight Pro got official finally. Um, we also saw Apple launching the iPhone SE, and we saw a vacuum cleaner launching in India. I don't know if you're <laughs> going to talk about that. And then uh, you know a lot of games went free, so we have a lot to talk about this week. So let's just right get right into it. Harish, let's go down the OnePlus Eight and Eight Pro, all the features and everything the phone is offering. Yeah, sure. But first, is it weird that I'm very excited that the Miro board vacuum is finally in India? I've been. I'm excited. Yeah, I've been evangelizing this thing for what three years now, and I'm like, yes, it's finally here, but it's not actually here. We'll talk about that later. First, phones, yay! Okay, so after months and months of leaks, the One Plus Eight and Eight Pro, Eight Pro, no, Eight Pro are finally <laughs> official, and. um it's basically the same as the leaks made them out to be the 8 the regular OnePlus 8 is basically an upgraded variant of the 70 with 5G connectivity and a few internal changes and a slightly larger battery uh but it's the 8 Pro that is particularly interesting because it gets all the new stuff that folks have been asking for for years and years so there's wireless charging and that's and that goes up to 30 watts so that's exciting and there's water resistance and this time it has an ip68 rating and it also has the same qhd panel but it now goes to 120 hertz and it works at 120 hertz while it's in qhd and that's great as well um so yeah two phones lot of exciting new features not a whole lot on the software side but what drove the conversation when these were announced was how much they cost so the regular 8 starts off at 699 in the us and there's a, there's another model well we didn't get to see the other model but we should see the oneplus we'll talk about the oneplus c later but anyway the regular 8 starts off at 699 and the 8 pro starts off at 899 and that how did not go down well right Yeah, I mean there was an uproar online. Yeah. <laughs> What did you Which, guys think about how much it they cost? I think it's a fair price. Uh, eight eight nine hundred dollars puts it at what seventy two thousand approximately. Yeah. Uh, sure, it's on the higher side, but come on, like now this is as much of a flagship as you could want. Like there's there's really nothing that's missing on the on the phone and. I mean, so far by the uh, by the photo samples and all that I'm going, uh, I'm looking at. It seems that they've made big progress on that front as well, and that was pretty much the only complaint we had with the phone anyway. Yep. So, I I mean, sure, it's no longer a flagship killer, but like we said last week, they're not really going with that branding anyway anymore. They want to be a flagship, and they delivered that. Absolutely. You know, you you know, you know, if this phone was made by Samsung or any other company that regularly sells flagship devices every year, people would have no complaints. I think people only have complaints because just because it's a OnePlus phone, and people expect lower prices from that company, even though it's not realistic, really. As Drew said, considering the hardware and everything it has on on the table to offer. It is a pretty damn good value. I mean, you're getting a phone with the latest chipset, with wireless charging, with IP rating, and it's cheaper than every Samsung flagship phone that has ever launched in the past three years. So I don't know what the 
problem is uh, maybe people are just used to having a cheaper price for OnePlus phones. But to be honest, we have to be realistic with inflation and cost of production going up. It It is something, it is still quite valuable. You know, actually, like, just uh, picking up from what you just said, I, and I think this could very well be the topic of a full-length episode as well. But I, I truly believe that brands like Xiaomi and to be honest, OnePlus as well earlier on, they they've really ruined the concept of, you know, expectations what of what people have from phones uh by selling phones at a loss or a near loss they've set very unrealistic expectations and now the thing is that they themselves cannot deliver on it because it was never sustainable mm-hmm. uh, and as the prices are going up people are having issues with that because they're just they're just conditioned to afford, to not even affordable i'll say cheap hardware yeah and that's really not going to work now Especially, and it's not like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I mean, pretty much that, like, especially in the current world economy with the with the virus pandemic going on, prices are going to go up uh, as the component supplies dry up or get harder to access. Uh, India raised its GST rates before that as well. Everything's going to get more expensive and people will be like, oh, hey, this brand can't give me that phone at this price point. But realistically, it's just not possible for them to give it to you at that price point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's not like as if these brands have learned from their mistakes, right? Because Xiaomi basically did what it did with the Mi 3 and all those all those phones when it launched in India. It did the same fucking thing again with the Poco F1. By launching that phone for under 20,000, it once again said that whole thing that, oh, you could get the best hardware for under 20,000. And that was basically a reset for the brand, right? Because it couldn't even meet what the F1 offered with the X2 again. And then that's why it said, oh, the X is, the X2 is not a successor to the F1. That's why we had to go with new branding because it realized in just under a year that it could not match that expectation. So it had to pivot again. Exactly. I mean, any prospective F2 will be at least 100 to $150 more expensive. Than- yeah. There's just no way around it. Yeah. And there's also the fact that global supply chain is something that consumers just don't seem to understand because we got a ton of comments on our post saying that OnePlus is basically dead as a company because nobody in their right mind would buy these phones that cost so much when there's an alternative available from Samsung and Apple. And Akshay, you brought up a great point about Samsung there because... What the OnePlus 8 Pro is basically a Samsung Galaxy S20 that costs $300 less. That's it. It has nearly the same number of features. It's basically the same phone. You're in fact getting better wireless charging on this one and better software in Oxygen OS and you're paying $300 less. And I still don't understand why there's so much hatred for this. I mean, the hatred is going to be, I mean, no one will ever be happy, right? You can't make everyone happy. That's a thing that we all can agree with. But aside from the price, we can talk about the price for all day long. But what I want to know is that one feature that you liked in both phones, that one particular feature that you kind of expected or did not expect, but you still like the fact that it's there in the phone. A standard feature, I would say, would be the display. Because, Yeah. yeah, or more than the display, how smooth it is because I just finished reviewing the 70 uh, six month take on it and I switched from a Galaxy S20 and then I go to the 70 and I realize even though it has a 90 hertz uh, refresh rate versus 120 on the S20, it Mm -hmm. feels smoother and that's all down to the optimization with Oxygen OS. So that combination, OnePlus really got onto that 90 hertz bandwagon at just the right time and it was able to optimize Oxygen OS. So that combination of optimization was with the high refresh rate, that's what sells the phone for me. Hmm. What about you? Yeah, I think for me, while I absolutely agree with everything that Harisha said, that, uh, but I think for me, it's that they finally rounded off the entire package. Um, you know, the little things which are not, at, to me, they are not essential. IP68 rating is not an essential feature. Uh, and uh, so the same goes for wireless charging as well but I like the fact that it has all of that there is no longer a compromise that you're making it's a well-rounded package it has everything Uh, 
I mean, once again, we you know I'm just talking about the same point, but imaging was pretty much the only area where they had lacked finesse. And by all accounts, at least it seems that they've really worked on that as well. So, you know, it's just it's a complete package now. And that's probably my favorite feature about it. I think uh, I you guys have said everything that I wanted to say, but I would uh, like to uh probably agree more with uh, Harish because even though initially I was not a big fan of high refresh rates on displays but OnePlus proved me wrong and you know they, they basically pioneered having a phone with a higher refresh rate and have a software that works perfectly in tandem with it and just because of that I mean I want to see how, what they've done with the 120Hz refresh rate as well uh, OnePlus claims they've done 150 optimizations on the software level for it to be smooth a smoother experience I'm really excited to see that, regardless how it affects the battery life, etc. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to see what they've implemented. And uh, I think the display and the refresh rate is by far the most uh, interesting part for me for the phone. But, you know, as Harish mentioned, you know, you don't understand the hate against the price and everything. I'm going to segue into the next, to next topic that we uh, came up with. Basically, you know, a lot of people have been complaining that OnePlus, OnePlus is losing its identity. Do you guys uh, agree with that? No, because their identity was value and they're still delivering it. What most folks don't seem to understand is that they cannot continue to be a business if they just pump out phones at $300, $400 because the market has evolved and there's such a thing as inflation, right? What cost mm -hmm. $300 back then now costs more. That's just the way things are. And in that context, they've continued to deliver that value. I mean, if you look at how much the 70 is selling for now at $500, that's like one of the best phones you can get for the money. So they're still delivering on that value premise. It's just that they could do a better job with messaging probably because I think a lot of consumers don't see beyond the price tag. And that is a shame because when once you actually realize what, I mean, just the sheer number of features you're getting with these phones, it's crazy value still. Yeah, exactly that. I think it's it's more of a messaging issue. Uh, I'll I'll give you another pers uh, perspective. You know, uh, invariably there will be another another Android phone which will be a little more affordable. Uh, but you know, OnePlus is not doing a good enough job of highlighting the fact that you know the phone is not riddled with third party apps. It's not riddled with ads like stuck everywhere and that's pretty much the only way at this point where you know they can get the price further down uh like you already said it is it is still a really good deal it is still a flagship killer how, however you put it because i mean it's still 300 dollars cheaper than its nearest competitor that's yeah. that's not you know like that's not pocket change mm -hmm. so you know i mean it's just that the goalposts have shifted uh you can no longer get a flagship killer for $500. It's $900. But then also the flagships are no longer $900. The flagships are $13 to $1,500. So, you know, you, I think, cannot, I think... you cannot selectively shift the goalposts. Yeah, true. I agree. I completely agree with you guys. But I think um, what the sentiment online is that, you know, OnePlus was the chosen one, as to say. That would offer that would challenge the status quo and i think uh partly the reason why there's a lot of backlash online is is what through is saying the messaging has not been up you know up to the up you know on point i think they're just uh, not really communicating to their fans what they should be communicating essentially we're doing what they should be doing right now i think we should be their marketing managers or something right now because to be honest whatever we've said so far is something that OnePlus should be communicating to their fans, and they're not doing that. It is. I mean, they might, yeah. and 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 that's where everything gets lost in translation. Yeah. So, which is why they're seeing so much backlash online from all over the world. It's not only India, to be honest, but they need to explain to their fans and future customers what they're actually offering, how much it actually costs, and what they're delivering at the end of the day. And in our opinion, they deliver quite well. It's just that people don't really know that or or, or are expecting that from OnePlus right now. And I that's something actually, they... like what you're saying, and uh, I, I'm agreeing with you over here, is that people don't really understand the cost of making a phone. I feel like yeah, we exactly. should do 
a whole segment just on this later down the line. I, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. Because even folks in our industry, folks that should know better, don't seem to understand what's actually involved in making a phone and getting it out the door. But then there's also this thing, right? They failed in getting the messaging out in that they didn't reveal the Indian pricing. And I feel that they should have done that regardless of when the phones actually end up in India, even though it's a lengthy wait. And it looks like that will be the case because of the lockdown. They should have just revealed how much these things cost because that particularly fueled all the backlash because all we got was the US pricing. And that has not been a good indicator of what these things cost in India in the past. Yep, absolutely. Although, did you guys see the new OnePlus 8 ad with Robert Downey Jr.? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I, I did not understand. Oh, you should really watch it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's all kinds of crazy. And it feels like that RDJ had his creative control working for him. <laughs> like, you can clearly see that, that OnePlus had literally no say in that ad. I mean, he is Iron Man. Well, was Iron Man. But coming to the messaging part. Now... Uh, of course, everyone has been speculating what the India pricing of the phones will be. And the only thing that we've heard from OnePlus India is that, in, in quotations, we don't speak dollars, India price coming soon, something like that, on Twitter and Facebook all over. Now, traditionally, even with the OnePlus 7 series, we saw a lower pricing for the phones in India. And I just want to get your thoughts on how it will be for the 8 series in India as well. So one thing, I mean, I can practically guarantee at this point is that it's not going to be a direct dollar conversion. Like, yeah. th- that's that's just ridiculous to think. It's not going to be the case. It will be obviously higher than the 70 Pro, but not such a drastic leap that, you know, that they'll alienate their entire audience. Uh, and this, again, ties into everything that we've been talking about. OnePlus is a business. They still want to sell phones to consumers. They will not price the phone 20,000 rupees higher so that nobody will ever even consider them. Uh, obviously, like, I don't know specifics about the pricing. Maybe, Harish, you have some more insights on that and you can chime in. Yeah, I've been looking at the China launch and that's usually a good indicator. And these phones cost $135 less each in China. So um, what that translates to is the standard 8 costs around 45000 and the 8 Pro starts off at around 60, 65. So what that means is we could see a considerable discount on both phones once they launch in India. And that's also an interesting point because if OnePlus is able to sell the phones at such, I mean, at these discounted prices, as it were, uh, you have to wonder just how much of a markup the US guys are paying. Yeah, I think uh, I think OnePlus uh, is uh, you know uh, using the same strategy as before, where they make up in terms of margins from other regions and and sell in volumes in China and India because these two are the highest selling uh, you know the most important markets for them where the phones sell the most yeah so so i think that's a similar model they will fall and with economies of scale coming into play the price will go down uh of course as Dhruv said don't expect it to be you know you know as cheap as the OnePlus 7 or the 70 but it will be considerably lower than other regions and uh China pricing is a good hint at it, so yeah. Yeah, just 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 follow that. Also, one note, uh, I don't think China is as huge a market for them because they don't have any unique yeah. selling point there. They don't offer Oxygen OS there. It comes with Hydrogen OS, their own take yeah. for the China market. Uh, but India is their number one market by some margin. Um, last I remember, it was over 35% what India contributed to their global sales. And that was several years ago. So right now, I'm assuming it's at least somewhere around 40% of their global volume comes from India. So they do need to offer something aggressive in the market to be able to maintain their position. And we have to also consider the fact that they're the number one brand in that premium tier, right? So they have to so maintain be, that. Bef- before we move on, like, do you guys want to get last minute India predictions in for pricing? Yeah, yeah uh, before we do that, I actually have one more topic to discuss about OnePlus uh, uh, because this is a very valid um, opinion in several markets, in fact. Uh, in fact, this is this question is inspired from one of uh, Harish's stories this week. Uh, he mentioned that, you know, six months later, the 70 
for the was it seventy or the seven? I think it was the seventy. Is a is is a better deal than the one plus eight. And I wholeheartedly agree with that because you know even I tweeted out on the launch day that you know the seventy seventy pro is still worth buying today. I just want to get your thoughts in why you guys think that you know that phone is still a great device to own. Oh, it's way cheaper now, <laughs> and uh, the the camera setup is arguably better. Yeah, that's yeah. basically it. Yeah. I mean, you're gaining more than you're losing here because it's basically the same phone. The standard eight has the same internals. All it's changed, all that's changed, is that it has the Snapdragon eight sixty five, questionable five G connectivity, and a forty three hundred milliamp hour battery. That's it. That's all that's different. And you lose the zoom lens for a shitty micro, a macro camera. So, and for all of this, you're paying two hundred dollars more. and also the cutout is weird this time because it's on the left and it has that really annoying i i don't like the way it's they the they punch hole. Yeah, I, yeah i i really don't like those things they should have just used Even whatever they did on the 70 just don't give a selfie camera at all i would prefer that instead <laughs> <laughs> oh, also like but yeah. while, while we are still here on the topic you know since we were talking cameras and uh, we know pop up camera uh, No, well, yeah, pop-up camera. I love those fucking pop-up cameras. Yeah. Just because I don't use the selfie camera nearly enough, so yeah. I like the fact yeah, that I can. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think we can all agree macro cameras are okay, but nobody is really asking for them. And since we know that a lot of brands actually listen to this podcast, guys, can you please go easy on those macro cameras, or at least don't get rid of actually usable shit to replace them with a macro camera? That would be like a pixel one at I, that. As as Harish said, there aren't many people going close to flowers to take images and shit. You know, like it's not happening. I don't get these guys. Like every brand I talk to, I I ask them, why the hell is there a macro camera on this thing that's basically useless? And they're like, our customers want this thing. Who are these customers? And what kind of photography are they doing? I want to know this. Like, are they taking pictures of bugs every day, or what are they doing? <laughs> and if they are, they're like. Why are they surrounded by bugs every day? Yeah, and why are they using their <laughs> shitty phones for it? Get a fucking actual camera that camera? designed to do yeah. this, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I, this argument can go on. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, I'd like to make one final point on it. Yeah. What, what do yeah. you think about the new colors? They look incredibly sexy. Oh, I, I love, love the green. Them. Yeah. I love I love the green. I love the interstellar glow as well. Black. And this is the first time I'm actually not liking a black phone. I'm bored of it. <laughs> I don't know why. I, uh, usually I love black phones, but this time around, uh, no. I mean, I'm loving the green the most. The interstellar glow. The fact that it looks different from every angle because of the light refraction. It's just brilliant. Although secretly inside. You know, my, I really want a white phone as well. OnePlus did a great job with the silk white, yeah. and I want something similar. Yeah, I really dig the green and the ultramarine blue and the interstellar glow. I feel like I should get all these review units. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for the color, Harish wants all of them. Yeah, I do. They're really good colors this time. I think this. I think these are some of the best color options we've seen at launch, right? For any of their phones. Yeah, yeah, I w- I would say so. I mean, I really like the silk white, so that comes, you know, up there for me as well. Cool. So before we head on to the next topic, uh, let's get any final predictions. Uh, let's get rid of the prediction we made two weeks ago because that's not relevant anymore. Now we have a better idea how much the phone actually costs. So let's start with the One Plus Eight and then One Plus Eight Pro for all of us, please. Okay, forty two nine 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 for the One Plus Eight. Uh, fifty-eight nine 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 for the eight pro. Okay. Bugger! You stole the pricing that I was looking yes, at. Yes, yeah. I knew you would say that. That's why I went first this time. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I'm personally fairly confident that it's going to be between fifty-five to sixty for the eight pro. So probably around fifty-eight triple nine, like Harish said. Maybe even lower, say fifty-six triple nine, to be really aggressive. I, which I would mean, basically. I need one. Which would basically put the entry level model of the eight Pro at about the same price as the top end model of the seventy Pro, if I yeah. remember it correctly. Uh, the eight super aggressive pricing, thirty nine triple nine. Realistic pricing, forty two triple nine. 
I need one one price. Yeah, you basically covered on your basis there. <laughs> what is this? Is, is this a competition for the week? Because yeah, 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 yeah. this is the yeah, quiz. We've done right now. we've done one plus eight so many times. We'll don't yeah, we that's which is why I said which, which is why I said let's ignore that because it's not relevant anymore. So I need one price from you. Uh, fine. For both. Uh, forty-two triple nine, and just to be a little different on the eight pro, say fifty-seven triple nine. So if both of you get it right, you're gonna split the points, all right? Wait, what? Five five each. We really need to get a point tracker up on the website. Yeah. And the <laughs> yeah, website as well. <laughs> but <laughs> but also a points tracker over there. So that's a start. You know what? Uh, for the o- OnePlus 8, OP8. OnePlus 8, I am going to go a little higher. 43 triple line. Mm-hmm. Just because I have no other choice. I don't want to split points with you guys. And for the OP8 Pro, OnePlus 8 Pro, I'll go... Hey, damn. I have no choice here, man. I'll go... You've taken up both the answers that I had in mind. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, I, I'm gonna so, go. So just go fifty-nine triple nine. Fifty-nine triple nine. I have no other choice. I mean, you have, you have, you guys have left me no choice. So I think I. Let's assume we already know I'm gonna lose this battle, but yeah, I think the real battle is between the two, two, uh, Android Authority and Central guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I the think we finished on. our daily obli- weekly obligation of talking about OnePlus. Talking about OnePlus. I am seriously yeah. considering picking up the domain for uh, the uh, untitled OnePlus podcast or whatever and uh, redirecting it to a future website. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cheeky. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think we are, we have almost discussed everything relevant for the OnePlus 8 and 8 Pro, but that was not the only phone that launched this week. Uh, we had Apple surprising us with a budget phone of their own, the iPhone SE 2020. Uh, I mean, it met with a lot of uh, praise and a little bit of hate online, to be honest. But in a, in my opinion, uh, it couldn't have come at a better time. So Harish, we're going to start with you again. What do you think of the SA 2020? And uh, yeah, let's just touch down your favorite features. Oh my God, dude! I'm blown away by this phone. It is insane. In one stroke, Apple basically just put all Android value flagships on notice, right? Everyone, Xiaomi, Realme, OnePlus. well Huawei doesn't matter anymore but everyone i mean they've managed to offer a phone for 400 dollars that has a better chipset than you would find on any other android phone in the world and that was a master stroke from them because by using that chipset what they're essentially doing is guaranteeing four or five years of software updates and for a 400 dollar phone that is massive sure they're using the same body as the iphone 8 that doesn't matter to me one bit they are able to save manufacturing costs it is a proven design everyone knows about it there are millions of cases and accessories available in the market that don't cost as much for the phone so it's a pretty great victory for them right off the gate uh, just by going with that 400 dollar price point and including the A13 bionic in there Oh yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I I I thought he was still talking. I think no, it's done. like yeah, with it's... Harish, with Harish, you never know when he's gonna stop because he always yeah. has an, another additional point to talk about. It's it, it's an exciting time. I mean, we haven't had anything in the in this segment for a while now, right? So it's exciting to see four hundred dollar phones that are actually really decent. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I I agree with you. It's. it's an incredible piece of hardware um and i mean i think this is this is the the flagship killer at the moment like this is the flagship killer it's got the specs to match not just not just match like it beats every other android phone on the market uh it doesn't have 5g which is fine because almost no market has 5g uh the camera is something that you miss out a bit on but you know it's probably got a very good primary camera uh if it's any it's going to be somewhere between the iPhone 8 and the iPhone XR uh, since it does have the newer ISP and that's perfectly fine and it's probably going to excel at video i mean literally the only thing you can complain about here is the shitty design and it's sh- it's shitty design because it's like what 2016 year old design yeah. yeah yeah it's a four year old design at this point but Let's be honest. It's a four hundred dollar iPhone. Nobody gives a crap at that point. 
you know people want to buy an apple product there is a whole you know value flagships were built around the concept of you know we're going to give you high end stuff at an affordable price point just because you can't afford high end stuff and hey this is apple's move on that we're giving you a top of the line experience and it's affordable yeah. everybody it's just got that aspirational value to it and it's it's going to sell by the bucket loads yep i think i think apple was basically told every other uh, mid range android phone like we're watching you and we're coming for you and they did that uh, of course it is a old design but in my opinion you know it's environmental friendly and it's one of the reasons why it's also affordable because you know you know they probably had inventory with the same design you know with the shell casings and everything left over and they just repurposed it but what matters is the chipset man for me having a phone with the with the best of the best chipsets available in the market in a phone that costs less than mid range phones uh that has uh, many implications for example uh, mobile gaming uh, apple arcade is the cheapest way to experience apple arcade on your phone you if you are a gamer let's say a mobile gamer and you don't really want to spend too much money you can just get uh, the iphone se enjoy apple arcade for rupees 100 a month with hundreds of games and then you know just use it as a secondary phone or even a primary phone if you're not much of a hardcore user and uh, you know and the fact that harish mentioned that it's going to get support for the next 4 5 years apple has been great with supporting all their phones dating back to 5 years you know 4 to 5 years ago and the fact that it will have the latest ios 13 update the fact that it will have um, you know support for uh, you know apple tv and you know every other service that apple has to offer it's the cheapest way to get into the ecosystem yeah. and that's why i really dig this phone uh, sure design is something that uh, i or the three of us may not prefer but i know a bunch of people who love this design and on purpose have not moved on from the iphone 6 or the 7 because they want the same classic design maybe because of nostalgia or maybe because they're used to that design so a lot of pe- it appeals to a lot of people yeah and yeah i think like the only I mean, and I, I, I actually don't mind the design, like you said. It's just that I wish they would have made use this opportunity to cut down a bit on the bezels, which, yeah, yeah like that's that's pretty much the only area. Those are massive bezels by twenty twenty yeah. standards. Uh, but realistically, like this is this is the Poco F one of the of the Apple world. It is, and I mean, even taking it a step further, leave aside high refresh rates and all of that. Like this is. pretty much the best gaming phone that you can get at $400. At at actually like yeah, it is the best gaming phone you can get at $400. The, yeah. That chipset is more powerful than what's there on the Nintendo Switch. Sure, it doesn't have to save games or the good or the but it still has awesome games on the Apple. I mean, yeah. you you use an iPhone, you know that like the gaming experience on iPhones is actually better than Android phones. It is. Uh no, I I, I it is slightly I would say I had that opinion until last year. but i have to say that android in terms of i mean qualcomm has really stepped up their game with the 855 plus and onwards sure it is a little bit better on the iphone but android's not that far man it's not but what uh, makes it less than exciting on android is that you never know what you're going to get based because of the yeah, variety we have um, a lot of is optimization true. is still missing even though manufacturers just put the latest hardware they don't go to the bother of optimizing the damn thing so it's less than ideal and in that regard the iPhones are iPhones have a clear advantage because every time a new iPhone comes out it's already been clearly opt- optimized right for the hardware so yeah yeah because they don't have to like tend to 50 different models they just have to tend to th- these three models that four models they have for the year and that and and that gives them more time to concentrate on the phone support the phone iron out the bugs and you make it a great software experience i think that's what oneplus also follows they don't really launch 50 phones a year for this particular reason and i love that fact that yeah but you support yeah, you're also but getting great also features getting i mean this is basically yeah. one of the few yeah. phones that does 4k video at 60 fps and there's and a lot of, a lot of cool features like that i mean yeah i don't like the bezels but they couldn't have done anything with the bezels because if they had to cut down on them they would have had to use face id and they had to get rid of touch id so that would have made tooling more complex so it is what it is but overall for what what you are getting with this thing it's incredible 
I mean, I mean, for a four hundred dollar phone, you get wireless J wireless charging, yeah. you get IP sixty seven rating. I have never heard of that on an Android phone, no. and that's just incredible how they manage that. Yeah, I forgot about the water resistance. That's insane. Just backtracking a bit, actually, like since you cover Apple a lot more than uh, both of us, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the first time, or at least in a really long time, that almost the entire lineup on uh, of products that Apple has. is using pretty much the same chipset or a variation on it uh no they do this do do, do this every year with the iPhone 10R and the iPad they had the same with the iPhone uh, iPad mini they had the same chipset just tweaking the the chipset a bit no, i think i thought the iPad mini was using an older one oh yeah the iPad mini was using the A12 mm. yes but uh, there there was the iPod, iPad air that had the mm. A12 A12 at the moment so it had the latest chipset they mixed and matched you know i but, mean uh, the the point i'm trying or where i'm coming from is like they were still selling the SE for example uh, the the first generation SE which was still on on about a two generation old chipset yeah, uh, yeah i think yeah. the point i'm trying Three. to make is that uh, you know across the product portfolio uh they are all on the same new chipset yeah, uh, yeah which is again going to be a huge boost uh for the ecosystem and from a software sp- uh, support perspective i i i think that's also played a really into apple's thinking behind this product that hey you know what yeah. at $400 let's get it at par with uh, the with the rest of the portfolio so that you know like now going forward for the next 5 years there's this one target platform that we have yeah. for across pli- yeah. uh, price pi- price points yeah yeah i think it also makes it makes it cost effective as well because since you're using the same chipset in so many devices uh you know economies of scale man again i think that's probably the reason why the 20, se 2020 was a little is a little bit more affordable than the other devices i mean they do economies of scale like nobody else if like, huh. if like one day they else. decide to say yeah we don't want to use tsmc <laughs> and we'll go to samsung tsmc will shut down a month later so hey harish uh, do you think you might have some insights into this i've i found it quite incredible you know that uh with every generation especially over the last 2 to 3 years android oems have been focusing so much on uh, <clears throat> vapor chambers and graphene sheets and all sorts of cooling solutions Meanwhile, Apple's product always has better performance, arguably, and I mean, of course, they are doing building pro- solid cooling solutions. You don't see iPhones bursting into flames either. Uh, they don't really need to talk about all of that, you know. Even with the latest, I mean, they're doing that on a four hundred dollar product now. Yeah. Uh, doesn't that speak volumes about optimization and how they're, you know, effectively building the product? It's basically. all down to the fact that they can vertically integrate on both hardware and software um on the hardware level they don't need as many cores because they know what phones they're building before they make the chipset and android on and on android that's just not possible right so that's why qualcomm makes these huge octa core designs with everything thrown in and then device makers get to pick and choose so if you look at phones like the oneplus uh they may not be using everything okay not oneplus because they clearly told they're using everything uh say xiaomi mi 10 for instance they're not using everything that's on that chipset they're using selective modules so there's a lot of wasted space there and it's not as mm-hmm. energy efficient so they need to build more cooling solutions for that to not run so hot now apple does not have this problem because when it's designing a phone it knows what sort of performance different i mean what sort of performance it wants so it designs a chipset that delivers that same performance so that's why when you look at the ipads they they'll come with the x chipset and that's basically scaled up that's it all it does is a larger die size and more cores and just slightly increased performance but it knows it start it knows from the beginning what sort of performance it wants and it designs the chipset for that qualcomm goes about it backwards because it needs something that every say samsung on a 1400 dollar phone can use and a value player at like 400 500 it creates something that is high end and that consumes a lot of power and then scales it down for say someone like xiaomi or realme to use so it's not as energy efficient yeah it's it's hilarious it's almost a console versus gaming pc uh, <laughs> yeah it is uh, yeah, load yeah. Up. i would I would say Qualcomm is, you know, a jack of all trades, yeah. but a master of none. And you know, Apple is master of what they actually want to achieve, 
um, I think that's where the difference lies. A Qualcomm does a lot of things really well. I mean, in terms of connectivity, yeah. they hands down own that yeah. market. I mean, uh, iPhone is shitty in connectivity, man. Even on four G. Yeah, and in recent years, they haven't done so well in terms of customizing their own chipset. That's why they switched back to regular ARM cores on the current eight sixty five. But in this context, I'm particularly in- interested in one story that came out this week that Google is designing its own custom chipset. Now, they've offered oh, yeah. the Pixel Neural Core in the Pixel 4 and they had the Pixel Visual Core in the Pixel 2 and Pixel 3 for ISP and all the and uh, computational photography. But the fact that they're working on their own solution is big deal because that can go not only in the phones and Chromebooks as well. Um, now, that post suggested that Google could unveil these next year on Pixel phones. I don't think that's realistic, but it could be a big deal because Google has, I mean, is the only vendor that has the same scale as Apple because they also control the software, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they're the only ones with the means to do it. Samsung can do it, but they don't have software. They're still reliant on Google. So they cannot integrate their Exynos designs as well. So if anybody were to do it on Android, it would have to be Google. But whether Google will actually put in the effort, uh, who knows? Actually, actually, Harish, uh, on that note, I just remembered something because I did a story on this. Uh, Google may as well actually show it off next year because I clearly remember they hired the head engineer for the semiconductor business of Apple, yeah. uh, uh, I think early last yeah. year. So they've had some time. You never know. They might just unveil it next year with with a new Pixel phone or this year. I don't know. To be honest, they were, they've been working at it for a while. Yeah, they load away a lot of guys from Intel and Apple. Uh, but these things usually take five to ten years. If you look at where, what Apple has done, they in, they hired a lot of guys at the start of the decade. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. then they started refining their chipsets and all. So this isn't something that you build out in a year or two. It takes a lot of investment and resources but um what we are looking at is possibly a chance that google will unveil this thing on a fine nanometer samsung node Mm -hmm. so that's interesting Mm -hmm. because that will make a huge difference on chromebooks sure phones will be nice google custom yay and all that but this will make a big difference on chromebooks because it will allow them to roll out thinner chromebooks with more power efficiency and better performance and that is a huge play for them right now I want to get your really quick thoughts on on the on, on this uh, on the, on the SE. What what does this phone mean for India though? Yeah, it's like a brand new iPhone for forty two thousand with five years of software updates and great gaming potential. What more do you want? It's almost as if they looked at the Indian market and they're like, we can fill a void here, and they came out with yeah. this. Yeah, it's pretty much that you know it. If you've been wanting an iPhone and you don't want to spend a lakh rupees, just get this. You get the same performance. You get you get close to that same imaging experience. Um, and well, the compromise is the design and you just live with that. Yeah. And you brought up a good point there, Akshay, earlier in the week with resale value. And that is very interesting as well. Mm-hmm. I think uh, this phone may just be the perfect phone from Apple for India, hopefully. And let's not forget, Apple has been offering deep, deep discounts uh, in the past year and a half. So we can expect this to go down even lower. Yeah, that'd be something. It's weird to get this excited about an Apple phone because... In India, especially, yes. Yeah, they generally have not played the value game at all. And all of a sudden, they've got this perfect phone at like $400. It's insane. It's like, here you go, bitch. Yeah. It's our offering. <laughs> Basically. I think, yeah, I think we've talked enough about uh, phones, yeah. I think, for the major half of the show. Let's get to a different topic, which Harish probably hates to talk about every week. <laughs> Considering <laughs> I ended up talking for most of this podcast, sure, I'll let you guys talk about whatever games came up. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot happening uh, in the gaming world, uh, especially with pe- companies trying to help out people by giving away free games. Uh, there have been a lot of leaks and rumors about upcoming games. So, you know, uh, since you were most excited to talk about this, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, like obviously this is, take this with a huge, with a bucket load of salt, I guess. Uh, but there's been quite a few rumors uh, and leaks for the upcoming games for... Um, the next generation of consoles 
and I am very excited about the Harry Potter R- RPG. Uh, a, a video for this leaked uh, about an year and a half back now, or at least mm-hmm. a year back, and it looks incredible. Uh, I mean, if you guys played uh, the Harry Potter games growing up, uh, of course the graphics. Yeah. Yep, the graphics have aged. They are incredibly dated. Like I don't think I could go back and play those games again, but they really captured that sense of wonder that the books had, uh, and really delivered on that. Heck, even the Quidditch matches, you know, like everything yeah, was yeah. amazing. Uh, I believe there was a follow Quidditch game as well, which still has a cult following. I never got around to playing that. Uh, this game seems to build off on that. uh the environments the the music the experience and obviously it's going to be uh much more intense with a lot more customization so i'm really excited about that game uh then there's the leak for the you know the, there's the rumors going around about the uh, star wars game the the next star wars game code named maverick which is going to be like rogue Squ- uh, squadron and uh, they've got they've hired a lot of people from um, the ace combat team which means that the vehicular combat uh, the the flying simulation should be really good as well uh so that these two games have really caught my eye of course uh there's going to be the next spiderman game there's a huge leak going around uh there's a lot of story elements in the leak it might be true it might be false i'm not going to get into that but yeah like going by what they managed with the first game uh it's just going to be incredible In fact, Sony used the uh, used the first game to demo some of the advantages that the next generation console will have. Uh, you know, faster, faster web slinging, faster swinging, faster load times, bigger maps. That's pretty much all that you could want in addition to a bigger storyline. Uh, so <laughs> you know, I mean, clearly I'm a Sony fanboy, but I think there's a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, actually, you were talking about the the Batman game. uh you know that's been uh, doing the rumor around so do you want to talk more about that yeah i mean there's been a lot of rumors uh about uh, for a new bad game bad ga- uh, bad game <laughs> <laughs> i have to make one fumble in every episode <laughs> i like how consistent you are with these things man it's awesome <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to go through with it for the next 10 weeks as well <laughs> but the the new batman game by rocksteady is rumored to be based on the coat of owls uh, storyline and if you've read those comic books it's by far the, one of the most interesting and and and, and mysterious uh, storylines by dc comics in a very long time uh it was by far my favorite uh, comic book series from the from the new 52 era uh if you don't know what the new 52 is that's the that's sort of a reboot from dc for comic books it's a different universe kind of a thing uh, i don't know how to explain it but uh, the code of owls is was a brutal storyline and if there's a game based on that i'm all down down for it um and harry potter is also going to be probably made by rocksteady or by at least warner brothers studios the same publication uh, publication the same company that publishes batman so i'm expecting a similar experience with the new harry potter game as well i vividly remember uh, i used to i played the harry potter game on on the pc back in the day and i just couldn't get those you have to make an outline of the spell i don't mm-hmm. know if you remember yes. <laughs> i could i i struggled at that because mm-hmm. i was a kid and i really struggled at that i had to have a lot of patience but yeah i mean it the game captured the the the, the you know the the world of hogwarts really really well um the music was on point um the uh, the gameplay was on point the character models were on point the story was on point so i really really want but this is going to be a more like an rpg where you are a student in hogwarts and you have to you know you know um uh, tell your own story i guess i don't know how it's going to oh, be but, but that's I actually really the part don't. that i'm excited about you know instead yeah, of yeah i don't um, want to, I don't, I, oh you don't get to play yeah. one of the characters no. i don't want oh, to man nice. it's, it's going to get boring yeah yeah exactly and you get to you get i mean you get to experience more lore i think that's uh, that's probably uh, my favorite part of the game and as uh, dhruv mentioned for the new star wars game um uh if you haven't played battlefront 2 the flying mechanics on the on the x wing and the on the y wing and on 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 the tie fighters it's already incredible and if they've got from the team from ace combat who have been pioneers at avi- aviation games i think this is just going to be uh, a nail in the coffin okay one game you're most excited about <sighs> okay for me it's going to be spider man 2 
because that story was incredible the first game okay cool the harry potter rpg <laughs> Yeah that I mean, is that, that that is a very strong second for me. The more I hear uh, about I mean, this go ahead. Yeah no I've I've been incredibly I it, it's rare that I get so damn excited for a game but yeah I I this a lot of nostalgia for the books and the and the original yeah. games. Uh I mean sure the movies were great but it's the books which really you know captured that sense of wonder for me. Uh and uh, if they can pull this off Uh, I'm going to be spending a lot of time in this game, especially since this is a new storyline set in the same universe. You know, I don't want to play the same yeah. Harry Potter storyline again. That's been done. So yeah, yeah that that's that's you know you know me. you know what would be awesome for this game if they explored the story of the you know something in relation to the founders of Hogwarts, like something in relation to one of the houses, you know, Gryffindor or. you know salazar slytherin a story about him mm-hmm. and you are playing as a character discovering about his secrets that would be i would love that man i would love to read a book on that there's a crazy amount of fan fiction around yeah, the lore yeah. um i don't know if you guys read any fan fiction but there was one a few years <coughs> ago uh, methods of rationality in this harry potter will actually be a rationalist and then he will use logic to solve things Oh yeah, oh, wow. I've heard he, of yeah. that one. Yeah, I he won't. Can you like? Yeah, it's not the usual bumble. He's not the usual bumbling idiot asking for assistance. He'll actually take the charge, and it's very refreshing. It's a single book covering all seven years. Uh, it's one of the best mm-hmm. fan fiction things I've read. Oh, I, I like, want to read it. Do send it to yeah. me. Harry Potter as Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, it's actually that. It's very interesting. At one point, he fights a professor. It, it, it's a crazy. Uh, tail but yeah very nicely done too there's a lot of things you could do i mean i'm hearing about you to talk about this game and i feel that this could be a great vr game as well with the whole yeah yeah, yeah I, i was going to talk about that point as well you know um like you said akshay like getting the this uh, the spells using a mouse was clunky to say the least i think that yeah, was probably was the worst part about the game uh but yeah i mean imagine the same game with vr support you know something beat saber style oh, like oh uh, yeah man wouldn't that be, be something pulling off uh, spells with with a vr controller <laughs> exactly <laughs> and also the uh, whole since, uh, you guys way. since this is an audio podcast uh, all of us just did a spell in the air while on video call so yeah. you're missing out on that we should really do video yeah. podcast from next time i i uh, although like drove the, the the flurry of leaks that you mentioned there's an interesting uh, Uh, rumor from this that actually works in favor for the Xbox Series X. I see two games that were overdue, but are incredible games that might just make the Series X a great launch console for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, a new Forza Motorsport Eight is in the works, and of course, uh, I don't know about Fable Four, but if it doesn't works, it is going to blow up like like shit online. Uh, Fable has some. of the most dedicated fans in the world forza to i mean I, i think i can say with confidence everyone who has ever experienced that game has loved it mm-hmm. so you know like these games that uh, i'm not sure how true this is take it with a huge huge pinch of salt but if these games come true i think series x is going to is going all out man with the launch this time i mean hasn't microsoft already uh, teased that they're working on a new fable so you know that's probably go i mean it it would just make sense that they have it at launch uh, i've yeah. read a lot about the game like when it initially came out as well never had the chance to play it since i've never been much of an xbox guy uh, and yeah forza obviously just makes sense but then again polyphony will be working on uh, the next grand turismo so you know like there will be competition for forza uh, but uh, talking about next gen games or just your upcoming games uh, What do you guys think about the the new rumored Assassin's Creed, which is set in a nor- in, was, with Nord in Norse mythology? I was just coming to that, and since Harish is a big fan of the franchise, I was I want his thoughts first on this because I think uh, he'll be the best to judge. I love it. I liked what they've done with the reboot. I like that they took a year off and then decided to turn it into an RPG, and then that was the right move. And I can and it's an ideal fit because there's a lot of lore. around uh, Norse mythology right there's so much to play off of there 
and the sort of model that we get with assassin's creed makes it an ideal platform to carry that lore to a video game format because i don't think there were that many games that played off of that vast set of lore that's there for norse mythology mm-hmm. so it could be a very nice thing to look forward to yeah i think god of war has really set the tone that you yeah. know Norse mythology is in vogue. Yeah. Uh you know that's we're up for another yeah. game for that in that setting and uh you like you rightly said you know I I really like what they've done with Origins and Odyssey. Yeah. Uh I didn't play Odyssey like the the setting wasn't quite what I I mean it wasn't what I wanted to play at that time and I had a backlog anyway but I absolutely loved Origins. I'd been you know clamoring for a good game set in an you know ancient egypt setting yeah. and and it was fantastic i also like the fact that assassin's creed has pretty much left aside its entire sci-fi roots yeah and it's, now it's just mythology <laughs> yeah it's just mythology and you know out of the world stuff uh, and that's fine you know yeah. it's a game it's supposed to be fun yeah, and I it like was it. fun yeah i i like the direction they've taken here and you uh, credit where it's due right U- ubisoft ubisoft what are we calling it yeah, yeah. the whole world is trying to figure out how to pronounce it fine fuck it okay. the montreal studio that actually yeah. makes the game they've been killing it for the yeah, last yeah. decade yeah i think i think from the leaks that i saw i think this game also has some form of viking story i think i don't know if as a dlc or i don't know what it is going to be but if that is true i want this game to show uh, the absolute brutality you know the, what we know about uh, um, about viking history and you know how they plundered uh, north uh, northern europe and i want to see that in this game i don't know how true that is uh, maybe it won't even be there but i really want that i just want assassin's creed to be a more emotional story than it traditionally is um because it will make me care about the mythology even more um and i think uh, they've gone the right direction with with odyssey we can see that how spectacular yeah, uh, that game was of- i mean i i didn't play odyssey but like on origins like i i mean the map size was massive like huge even in this game man um uh, and i'm the the while it wasn't obviously it's not entirely historical but they pulled in some references from known history yeah. and mm-hmm. i'd love to see you know the siege of england by the by the vikings exactly. you know stuff like that that's what i want to that's what i want to see this the changing landscape you know from the icy frigid north to you know the northern shores of england scotland fuck i'm excited <laughs> yeah and yeah, they were brutal man and that's what i want to see like they they have they they, they ha- yeah they have a great opportunity to tell a great story and not just make it any run of the mill rpg like how classic ubisoft games are you open the map and there are thousands of activities to do i just want something that has that but it also has a grounded simple story that tells you the the real world after effects that people faced back in the day when 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 you know the nords invaded england or most of northern europe for that matter absolutely and it plays off really well in you know that mythology plus real world sense because in many ways it was also a war against the old gods and the new gods yeah mhm yeah and before this becomes a history podcast i think let's let's move <laughs> on to the next topic uh actually uh i have one interesting game that uh, i so before, I, i must tell the uh, listeners that through shared a list of leaks that were on reddit by uh on 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 one of the forums uh, and one of the games was the peaky blinders game Why? now i don't know how that game is going to get played get played out but i think a crime game in this when a gta when gta 6 is rumored to launch soon do you think that would work uh just to add to that i believe this is supposed to be a vr game of course this is oh, still okay. a leak but uh, oh i i don't know i think i think it could work uh, i think we are missing some you know old school cinema noir era um games um yeah, with you know a heavy crime focus uh I, i mean maybe i haven't come across any in the in the last few years i think the last i i the major game that i saw was mafia 3 and that was a bit eh, like not that great for me so i don't know i think there's this room for a game in that universe uh the the show what i've seen of it is incredible so yeah. i think it could be mm-hmm. exciting the show is so much fun 
<laughs> I think uh, we got about to run out of time, but quickly, I wanna uh, just add a few things from. I get your thoughts on a few things, not thoughts, but you know, like pointers. Uh, you know, since the coronavirus pandemic has been spreading across the world, a lot of gaming companies companies have been giving their content for free. And I just want everyone to know that there are both forms of AAA games and mobile games that are available for you to, you know, keep yourself busy at home. So I just want the two of you to just list down stuff that you think that people should try out. Without doubt, Just Cause 4. That game is a lot of fun. It's just so much fun. You get to blow up basically everything in it. The new engine is pretty great. And it's free. What more do you want? And where can they find it? Oh, Epic Game Stores. I like how they're rolling out free games every week. And some of them are pretty decent. Yeah, I think for me, like, uh, Sony has been pretty generous. They've, they're giving away two games, which is which are essentially four games in total. Uh, so the Uncharted, Nathan Drake Collection, and uh, Journey, both of them are free. The Nathan Drake Collection is a compilation of uh, Uncharted 1, 2, and 3. Uh, not entirely remastered, but yeah, like, it's, it's a port to the PlayStation 4 platform, and by definition, the PlayStation 5 platform. Uh... Uncharted 1 is a bit dated but hey at least you get to witness the history of the of the series but Uncharted 2 and 3 are incredible games and if you haven't played them by now and why haven't you played them by now uh, those are definitely worth adding to your collection especially now that they were free uh, Journey is another great game uh, not as long as the Uncharted series but it's a great sit back and relax style game uh, the other one that stood out for me and uh, it's it's a complete opposite of you know big bang triple a gaming uh game loft uh is giving away their game loft classics app on on the android platform and it's basically a compilation of 30 of the of their best uh old school games you know it it uh, lets you witness where game loft came from uh these are the uh the the java games from the late 2000s, some of the Symbian games, and there's some real gems in there. Uh, I'll give you some recommendations for games which are definitely worth playing out of that collection. Uh, Diamond Rush is a fantastic game. Uh, There's also Nova, Modern Combat 2. Uh, there's always there's also the standard Block Breaker 2, uh, Block Breaker Deluxe 2, and Block Breaker 3 Unlimited. I prefer Block Breaker Deluxe 2. It just nailed the the gameplay and just the it was just a tight experience. Uh, there's a snowboarding game as well, which I absolutely enjoyed on my Nokia phone, circa 2008 or 9. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you just want to go and witness the history of mobile gaming, uh, I suppose. Uh, other than you know, sol- uh, other than uh, Snake, <laughs> this is this is a great collection to to just you know grab and try out. It's free, and there's thirty games in there. I just uh, I just want to add to what Dhruv said. Uh, you know, Sony has been giving the Uncharted collection for free, uh, and for that you don't need a PS Plus subscription. It can be yours forever. But if you are a PS Plus subscriber, you also get the Uncharted Four for free this this month. Which effectively means you can play the entire franchise for free on on the PlayStation Four right now. So um, you have four incredible games to experience for free, and uh, I think uh, that was one of the biggest uh, uh, you know uh, takeaway from what Sony has done uh, uh, this month. And uh, I think that's about it for our episode today, guys. I think this is by far has been the happiest episode we've done. I, think. I mean. <laughs> You guys have been smiling throughout the episode for some, for some reason. Hey man, deliveries are starting I'm, again. I'm, so all my phones will be delivered soon. I'm yeah. still in a sleepy haze, so that's why I've been smiling. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think to wake up through, uh, you just talk about PlayStation and he is yes. wide awake, right? Oh, before yeah. before before we move on, uh, like before we wrap up, uh, guys, like if you if you do end up playing the entire series, uh, don't forget to get hold of Uncharted Lost Legacy. It's oh, yeah. it's a spin-off, uh, but that's, and it's incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible game. You know, uh, it's it doesn't have uh, the the lead character Nathan Drake in it, uh, and actually that that works out for the better because the storyline is I'm not going to spoil it for you, but they've done some incredible stuff there, and it's a beautiful. The story game. is based in India. Yeah, it's right. based in India, and uh, unlike many games, it is 
a somewhat realistic take on India. So that's yeah. that's that's always nice to see. Uh, yeah, beautiful game as well. Damn it! I want a console to play these things on. I didn't get the PlayStation Four Pro last year because I was like, ah, PlayStation Five is coming, and now I want to get the Five, but then I don't know how long I have to wait to buy one. December. Uh, but uh, but uh, Harish, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this one additional tip. Just make a PlayStation account on on the browser and add these games to your library. Even if you don't have a console, you can play it on the PS5 because these games will be supported. So just because you can't play it right now doesn't mean you can't play it later. So just go to Sony Computer Entertainment, make an account, and add these games to your library. Okay. Heck, for that matter, yeah. like you know what? Uh, I mean, while uh, so many of these games are already at rock bottom prices, so you know. even for the listeners if you're contemplating getting into the PlayStation world with the PlayStation 5 uh it will support the PS4 games and uh some of these games will get upgrades but most of them will not get uh you know major upgrades you could start building out a collection of PS4 games to play on your PS5 right now uh and by when the when the console comes out let's be honest at launch uh the the games are not really taking full advantage of the hardware and there's not that many first party games to play anyway uh, as part of the launch lineup uh, four or five games maybe you'll like two of them three of them uh it's a it will be a great way to you know get into the PlayStation 4 catalog as well which is absolutely spectacular and you could start building out your collection right now so on that note Uh, we're going to see you next week guys thank you for listening to the 10th episode of the untitled gadget podcast i don't know how i was at a host but do let me know <laughs> you were great <laughs> yeah that was fantastic <laughs> uh see you man bye right, bye